Hi, this is Justin Woodward, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. That's what we do. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue and the voice you just heard on the other side of the table is Roman Johnson. Hello, it's great to be here. I hope everyone is is doing wonderful on maybe you're driving, maybe you're sitting at home by your fireplace listening to this podcast as your fireplace crackles and uh, you're listening to our sweet, sweet voices. I don't think anybody listens like that. (laughs) Whatever, however you're listening to it, we're happy to have you. Very happy to have you. Uh, You know, Roman, you're back, you're back in the studio here after a fresh acting gig. That's true. Yes. Um, And uh, I had to shave my face for it. You did. Babyface Roman Mm -hmm. is what it it looked like there for a while. And um, I don't know if our listeners know this or not. You and I both work at Church on the Move. We do. We do. And um, that's our full-time job. And then we also do this. We got a side hustle. <laughs> and uh, this week has been kind of a crazy week. We're at the beginning of the week here, but it's been kind of a crazy week already because we just had nine new interns That's right. start in uh, in the department that we work in. And mainly they carry, carry coffee for us. They go get our dry cleaning. Um, really, any task that we don't want to do, we just give it to them. That's how it works around here. Will you tell everybody the truth? <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, we give a lot of responsibility to our interns. That's true. We've got um, some amazing, amazing interns. We do. Good good crop, of, good crop of kids. And second year interns as well, Abigail, Wyatt, and Parker, if you're listening. This shout is a out. shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Uh, hey, folks, we've got a great show for you. But before we get to that, uh, I believe this is episode 37, 37, okay. Roman. Um and uh, we've got a great archive for you. Hit subscribe, leave a review, share it on social media. It'd be very, very appreciative if you would do so. I know you hear this on every single podcast that you listen to, uh, but we're just going to ask it anyhow. Uh, so if you would do those things. Um, and then also, Roman, what is this show uh, brought to them by? This show is brought to you by creativesheep.org. We make premium media for the church. Uh, we make pre-made stuff uh, like illustrations, uh, video illustrations or countdowns. Um, we have series packs on there. Um, but also, if you want some custom work, if you're looking for some media, uh, maybe uh, you want a series created, um, like a series of teaching, or or maybe you want uh, a video made, hit us up, creativesheep.org. We'll take care of you. Yeah, you could be one of the churches across the globe that we do this kind of thing That's for. True. We'd love to help you out. So hit us up at creativesheep.org. Uh, and once again, folks, we've got a great episode for you today. Episode 37 here, uh, bringing Dustin Woodward to you. Holla! Dustin Woodward uh, works, he's one of the pastors at Copper Point Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was their youth pastor and is actually transitioning uh, into more of like an executive pastor kind of role. Um, and I think in line to eventually take over the church Ooh, is the big plan. time. And so they're doing amazing things there. Love, 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 love them. And I really enjoyed my conversation with Dustin. He's talking about leadership and things he's learned in leadership. And I don't want to give anything away, uh, but uh, this is just a phenomenal conversation that I would encourage you. I love Dustin's heart uh, just behind everything and just how much he cares about people and that it's it really is about people. Um, which that's what this whole church thing's all about. Kind of, this whole you know, Jesus thing's all about. Yeah. I was actually just talking to Parker earlier and he was asking about, you know, going up in leadership and that kind of thing. And I was just like, I think we often try at times overcomplicate the whole thing. Yep. Jesus laid it out pretty simple. Like if you want to be successful in anything, there's two things you need to do. Love God 
and love people. That's right. Now, those four words hold a lot of weight. There's obviously a lot that goes into it, and they've been misconstrued in all kinds of ways. But if you do those two things, whether it's marriage, parenting, business, ministry, you name it, you'll succeed. If you do those two things, it's very, very simple. And I I just love that Dustin seems to really have a heart for Jesus and for people. And and I think that's really going to show through in this interview. So without further ado, Roman, let's check out our interview with Dustin Woodward. Man, Dustin, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, it's an honor, seriously an honor, just to be able to to talk to you and, and be with you today for sure. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, in case anybody's out there listening that maybe doesn't know who Dustin Woodward is, why don't you give us a little backstory? How'd you get your start in ministry? How'd you get to where you are today? All right, yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit of a of a little bit of a stereotype, but um, my dad is the senior pastor of our church and has been on staff or senior pastor in this church for 35 years now. Um, I was in wow. high school, felt involved in ministry. Yeah, 35 years in, in this one church. And so this is where I was born and raised. This is the, the church that I um, know. And um, I went to the Dallas area for four years of ministry school and really didn't have a plan to come back home and be on staff at my dad's church. I wasn't against it, but that wasn't necessarily my plan. And um, I did my practicum between my junior and senior year of college at our church. We didn't have a college ministry. And for my practicum, I started one and um, there was a huge need for it. And it kind of just started growing. And when I graduated the next year, I came back as the college pastor. A few months after that, the existing youth pastor moved to plant a church. I inherited the youth ministry and oversaw youth and young adults for the next um, eight and a half to nine years after that. And that was in 2006. And so it's been quite the ride since then. Um, Two years ago, I stepped out of the day-to-day in youth and young adults. And um, I'm I'm now the lead associate pastor at our church, but still very uh, heavily involved in the youth and young adult world at our church, if you will. But that's a little bit of the story of me. Man, that's awesome. Uh, what would you, uh, I, I'm a huge proponent. I, I come from a similar vein. I, I've worked in, in young adults. I've worked in youth. Now I'm, I'm my full time. I'm working with kids and I'm a huge proponent that anybody that has a desire to one day senior pastor, that there's no better start than one of those three things. Do you agree with that? Oh, Absolutely agree with that. I, I just think, I think they're basically a microcosm of the, of the bigger church, especially young adults. Uh, I mean, you just, to me, to me, the young adult arena is really a, a great picture of what pastoring will be. Obviously pastoring is a lot bigger mantle to carry, but it's just, um, it's such a hard group to reach. And I, I feel like if you can get a grasp on reaching young adults, um, I mean, you've got a pretty good grasp on the, on the culture right now. And it's, it's a, it was a lot of fun, but I definitely agree with that. So with your with your new role now that you're you're not as hands on with college and 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 uh, students or yeah students, um, what is just kind of in a nutshell? What does your day to day look like now? What are, what what are the roles of the lead associate pastor at Copper Point? Yeah, um, my day to day is um, basically meetings. I do a, I, there's a group of um, five to seven pastors that I meet with on a weekly basis. Ministry leaders on staff at our church. Uh, meet with them individually, and then we will meet also in group settings, depending on what their department looks like. And my life right now is complete uh, one-on-one leadership and group leadership and and mentorship, and just looking at each individual ministry and um, leading and helping uh, cultivate a thriving ministry in each of those departments. 
And uh, we've had several ministries go through transitions of um, ministry leaders in the last year. And so one of the biggest roles I've played in the last year is as new ministry leaders are stepping in, uh, walking them through this transition, uh, getting them acclimated to the new environment. And uh, so, yeah, my life right now is meetings, 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 and then um, preaching about a third of the time on the weekends. But my week-to-week is uh, several staff meetings, department staff meetings, and one-on-one mentorship. So you, you would you fall into maybe what some other churches would call like an executive pastor of sorts? Yeah. Okay. So similar that, role. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Okay. Yeah. And, and so we have, you know, there's several roles here, you know, associate pastor of, um, you know, students, associate pastor of this. And so that's why we went with the title lead associate pastor. But yeah, it's, it's executive. So it fits the verbiage at your church is, is essentially why this title for you. Um, so with that, then uh, you're not so much, like you said just a minute ago, you're not hands-on with a specific ministry. You're leading the people that lead those ministries. Correct. Okay. And I know you've, you've got a big heart for volunteers creating a, a, a strong and healthy culture. Um, and and really what I want to jump into today, I heard a, a talk you did at a conference last year and thought it was awesome and just wanted to share it. And we're gonna we're gonna kind of chip around in this talk and we'll 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 link to this talk in the in the show notes um over at creativesheep.org. But but let's jump right in here. One one question and this would is going to kind of take you back to to the college or youth ministry days. Um and maybe you don't fall into this this category, but I know as a young leader, it can be easy, whether in youth ministry, children's ministry, or anything other than senior leadership, to think that the role that you hold, that that is the most important thing. I think that's just kind of part of human nature. Like, we think that whatever we're oh, doing yeah. is the most important. And so I, I think it can be easy, and maybe even not all the time intentionally, uh, but to want to build a, one phrase I hear it called these days is like building a kingdom unto yourself as opposed to building the church. Um, do you know what I'm talking about here? Oh, absolutely. I know what you're talking about. Um, it's being on both sides of this now. Um, you know, when I was the youth pastor, the young adult pastor, I definitely fell into this. And I think most people, um, I have, I don't know, I have yet to meet a youth or young adult pastor, children's pastor who intentionally wants to build their own kingdom. Mm. I think that, I mean, nine times out of 10, they are um, a leader. They're a leader of leaders and and they have vision, they have tenacity, um, they've got drive. And um, I think a lot of times, um, and this this is just, you know, if it's okay with me being blunt, I think a lot of times senior leaders may look at, especially with me being on this side of things, may look at a sub-ministry or look at one of these ministries and say, you know, they're building their own kingdom, they're going rogue. And that could be the case sometimes, but a lot of the time, um, I really feel that it's 50-50 with senior, the responsibility on senior leadership and the uh, sub-ministry pastor or leader um, to focus on the, the vision as a whole. So these sub-ministry leaders need to be led by the senior leaders um, it, you know, in the, in the same way we expect these sub-ministry leaders to pour into the main church, if you want to call it the whole organization. I think a lot of times like a youth pastor, for an example, it looks like they're building their own kingdom um, because of lack of leadership on the senior leader's part um, and not bringing them in, not casting vision enough. But on the flip side of that, uh, you've got, if we want to use the the youth pastor hypothetical situation, you might have a youth pastor who um, 
doesn't want to be led and, and really does have their own vision, maybe looks at it like a stepping stone and using social media to say, look how great I am, and, and you don't really see a whole lot of tie back to the church as a whole. And there can be some friction there. I mean, even as close as me and my dad are, and as well as we, as good as we work together, um, we definitely had some friction points when I was the youth pastor, and I had to be straightened out. I had a vision of my own, and it wasn't a vision of the whole church, and we definitely had some come-to-Jesus meetings. And so it's easy, though. It's easy to fall into that trap. I love what you you tied it back to there on the social media trail, and I want to jump on this. I think I saw a tweet that you sent out and uh, challenging youth pastors and saying, hey, look through your your Twitter, your Instagram feed, or maybe you said it in the talk. Um, and are you posting more about what you're doing than what the church is doing? Yes, absolutely. And I'll be completely honest. I, it's a lot easier. Like I said, it's a lot easier from this side being on, you know, on the senior leader side, if you will, uh, looking back, um, you know, if you go back to my Instagram, when I was the youth pastor, it's going to be very heavy on what I was doing. And I'll be completely honest with that. But when you're on this side of it, looking um, yeah, I, I really do challenge people now. I challenge our own uh, pastors, sub-ministry leaders everywhere I go, just saying, hey, you know, look at your social media, because it really is a picture of, of your heart and your passion, what you're posting about. And I mean, we'll sit down with ministry leaders here and, and say, hey, you know, it's not all about social media, but hey, I mean, I can't find one thing that you posted about our church as a whole or something about our women's ministry, or you're excited about this or something with kids. If you're a youth pastor, I can't see your excitement for the whole church. All I'm seeing is your excitement for what you're doing. Um, you know, is, is this true? Can we walk through that? Um, and again, I don't, we don't want to just control everybody's social media, but it does give you a glimpse at someone's true heart and what they're most passionate about. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, it's it's literally your heart in a f- 140 characters or a picture or a snap or <laughs> whatever the case may be. And and with that, would you say it's important because it could very easily go, well, Pastor Dustin, are you saying that my Instagram just becomes a marketing tool for the church? Would you say it's important to be authentic with it? Because I, like for me, if I were to post something, I know yeah. you're just using this as an example, but like if I were to post something about the women's ministry, like would that be creepy or weird? You know what I'm saying? Like you kind of need to be yeah. authentic with it too. Is that, would that be accurate? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely authentic. And and again, not mechanical with it at all. And I, I throw out women's ministry, um, you know, again, from our context, we have a, we have a big women's conference and most of the mm. staff members, um, it's a, it's an all hands on deck event. Oh, awesome. And so it's a very big deal, you know? And so we were all working on it together. And, and so I throw something like that out because, you know, I can watch a staff member that's been working, you know, several weeks on that conference, see amazing fruit come out of it. And nowhere on any of their social media did they say it was such an awesome thing to, to watch this happen or this happen. And I, I don't know, there's, there's just, there's a few people that I follow that I really just feel uh, on social media that have such a grasp on the church as a whole. Absolutely authenticity. I mean, you could post something weird and like that was absolutely I, I don't know. I think it's funny. I think sometimes you can tell when you follow um, staff members from um, different churches, you can always tell when like a text went out that said, Hey, everybody post this because all the staff members all of a sudden have like 15, you know, posts all in a row. And you're like, wait a minute. So absolutely there needs to be authenticity with it, but also very visible excitement for other ministries, um, and the whole church. 
So what would you say you, you, I love that you're, you're able to talk on kind of both sides of the coin here from the, from the sub ministry standpoint, standpoint, but also now from the senior leader standpoint, um, what would you say to the, the youth pastor out there? Like how closely should they stay aligned, uh, with the, with what the church is doing and not just what they're doing? Um, I would say stay as close as possible. I had a tendency when I was uh, the youth pastor to um, really base everything I was doing off of what my dad was saying to me or not saying to me um, and not about me going to him. And I think sometimes sub-ministry leaders kind of like when they're not being led um, enough because we interpret that as more freedom. Um, But just because maybe a senior leader is, is not on their A game with leading you doesn't give us a right to even move further away from the core of the church. And so when I, when I sit down with people, when I, you know, am able to share with youth pastors at a conference here and there or whatever, I, I will say, Hey, be intentional that if, you know, to, to lead up as much as you're expecting a lead, your leader to lead down, you know, go to them, you know, and I, I say a lot, ask questions, don't assume, you know, again, it's not about controlling little, all these little things, but I hate, looking on social media and all of a sudden being surprised by a major shift in a ministry or, you know, a sermon series that is not the culture of our church. And, and so again, that a lot of that comes from me needing to teach that and train that. But also, I mean, I love when the people I am leading come to me and just with questions and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, I'm thinking about brainstorming. We're talking about maybe doing this endeavor or doing that. And what it does is it just shows it when you ask that question, basically how I interpret that is, this. I care about the vision of the entire church. I respect you as my leader. I respect you as my authority. Um, and what do you think about this? And nine times out of 10, it's, hey, let's go for it, especially because I know that you're willing to discuss this on the front end, not just on the back end. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, man, that's really, really good. So for the youth pastor, children's pastor, really any sub-ministry leader out there that's listening that just says, man, this all sounds great, but that's not what my senior leader does. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm really frustrated where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? I, this, is, this is something that I firmly believe. And um, there, there's a little booklet that I'm sure you're, you've heard of. It's just, I, it takes a day to read called Tale of Three Kings. And I, I read that book two or three times a year, and it's mm. if you're not familiar with it, it's about Absalom, David, and uh, King Saul, and how each of them led you know, the other and how they needed to respond. And what I'm a firm believer in this, that you know, everything we do is sowing seed. And w- whatever our interpretation is of our leader, uh, whether they're a great leader or not, or they're not leading me, I'm frustrated, because everybody has seasons of frustration, obviously. I mean, a lot of seasons of frustration, but we're every, every act, everything we do, all, you know, the attitudes that we're sowing, we're all we're doing is sowing seed. So I I was, I was actually thinking about this this morning with my dad. Um, It has become my, one of my greatest passions to help him and his calling come to pass because I also realize not just because of this, but I realize that the same passion that I have to see his calling come to pass. I want people that are coming up behind me to have that passion about what I feel God has called me to do when I senior pastor this church one day. And whatever seed I'm sowing as a follower of my dad, um, I will reap. 
in the people that follow me right behind me. Whether or not we have a great leader, um, I'm lucky to have that or not. Um, it's people will interpret you once you're their leader, they will interpret you in a lot of different ways. And, um, I just think that we're constantly sowing seed and, and we will reap what we're sowing later on. I love that, man. Did that answer your question? Okay. Absolutely. I love, I love how you put that. Just, just the concept of sowing and reaping right there. It's such a, it's, it's one of those things you hear it all the time in church or a lot of churches anyways. Uh, but man, it's so true that how it's, whatever you've done, you're, you're sowing seeds that are, you're going to reap one day, uh, whether, whether Absolutely. good or bad. And one of the things I I've love, no, funny... oh, go ahead. I have a funny story to, to hit on that before we change subjects. I remember, um, I, I was 26, 27 years old. And I think I've talked to several of my ministry friends about this at 26, 27 years old. If if minister if young ministers can make it past that point, it almost feels like at twenty six twenty seven you feel like you can conquer the world. You're better than your leader. You start having these thoughts of I'm better. I should I should have this. And entitlement starts creeping in. But if you can make it past that little age hump, all of a sudden you know true maturity starts kicking in. If you're doing what you need to do spiritually, and you can just take a breather and rest, that God has your future in control. I remember I was having a meeting with my dad one day at that age. And it was really me and my dad never have these kinds of conversations. And he said something to me with such wisdom that I'll never forget. We were kind of in a, in a disagreement. You could even call it an argument. We were in his office, just me and him, about the direction of, of the church and things that were happening. And um, I was, you know, just kind of being mouthy and, and all, to be honest, not super respectful. And um, he looked back at me and he said, Dustin, do you think that you can do this better than me? Do you think that you could pastor this church better than me? And this is embarrassing to even admit, but I've got to tell you this because of what his response was. I looked at him and said, yes. And uh, it's so embarrassing for me to even say that. I said, yes. And then he looked at me and he said, I know, I know. It was not a, it was not a good uh, day for me. But he, he looked back at me and kind of started chuckling and just said, oh, Dustin, you have so much growing to do. Um, he, he said, let me remind you of something. I'm not in charge. I wasn't in charge of the birth order. I'm not in charge of the leadership structure at this church or the leadership uh, order. God is. And he said, he said, there's something you have to learn if you're ever going to senior pastor this church or any church. He said, the thing that frustrates you about me, because what frustrated me about my dad was I interpreted him as going a little bit slower on decision-making than I wanted to go. I, you know, I wanted to be faster, faster, faster. And he, you know, um, wanted all the ducks in a row and he, you know, he wanted to just go slower than, than what I wanted. And he looked at me and said, Dustin, always remember this. The thing that frustrates you about your leader is most likely the thing that God is wanting you to add to your life. So one day you can go further than your leader. He said, you're frustrated with me because you think I go slow. But he said, if you are wise from this day forward, you'll take what frustrates you about me, add it to your life, slow down a little bit. And if you do, you will one day go further than I ever went. And I, I started applying that to every area of my life. And every time I was frustrated at my leader, I would look at that thing that frustrated me and thought, you know what? I'm having, I, I'm having friction with that area, but it's probably the thing I need to somehow incorporate into my leadership. And God's trying to show me something and groom me and, and uh, make me a better leader at this friction point. Does that make sense? It was, I hope I worded that right, because it was just illuminating for me that day. Man, that I appreciate you being so transparent. <laughs> that is, uh, man, that's a bold conversation right there. 
<laughs> it was, it was, it was. And that's the nature of just also being a, a dad, you know, father, son. Yeah. And again, we don't, that's a, that was a rare conversation. And I was just at a, a pivotal point where I had let pride uh, get in me. I had let entitlement get in me. And it was like, God had to um, just crush me in the, the next few years. And he did uh, with some different situations. And, um, but I'll never forget that conversation with my dad because it was so humbling and there was so much wisdom in it. And man, the truth of the matter is that any, any leader with any kind of grit about them, anybody that's willing, uh, it really just any leader, somebody that's wanting to push things further, that's wanting to take thing, take the bull by the horns and make something happen. They've had the exact same thought. You just put voice to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Absolutely. Everybody's had that thought. And then the key is just looking at your leader and going, there's a reason God placed them over me. What's the reason? What am I supposed to learn from them? Because every protege is supposed to go further than their, um, than their mentor. I mean, that's, that's the biblical concept. So yep. what about your leader do you need to take and learn from so you can one day go further than them? And it, it was huge for me. Man, that's really good. Uh, man, something else I love that you said is that as a leader— and this is kind of a little bit of a direction change here, but as a leader, uh, we should never be too big to be about the people. And, and this Mm -hmm. is, this is, um, this is one of those things that's just like, why are you even talking about this right now? Like, this is a duh kind of thing. But I, I feel Mm -hmm. like this is because it's one of those things. This is one of those things that's often overlooked. And I, I I think this is something that people always need a reminder of this is, this is 100% of the time. It is first and foremost about Jesus, and then it's about people. Why do you see it as such a big deal? I see it as such a big deal because the um, there was there were so many early on in ministry. I was so passionate about my calling. I felt like I genuinely. I mean, it was more subconscious, but I I genuinely believed. I think that the people around me, God placed them there to help me fulfill my calling. And it was so selfish. Again, I'm, I'm being like so open. Hopefully people don't think I'm just like this monster when this is over. But I, I, I genuinely felt that. I think a lot of ministers fall into that trap if we coast to think the people around me are here to serve me and what God called me to do. And we forget sometimes as leaders that God also has placed a calling, in a personal calling in each of their lives. And it's just as much they are responsible in helping us with our calling, we in turn are responsible to help them with theirs. And, and so if we, if the people that are serving under us, if you will, I hate that terminology, but serving under us, um, know that we are just as passionate about them and what God has called them to do, then they will be even more passionate about us as a leader and following us to see, to see God's dream come to pass for the entire organization. And so we've just made it a huge deal. And it really does flow from my dad's personality, um, you know, all the way down. But we make such a huge deal of our volunteers here. We, I mean, it's, there's just, there's a lot of respect. And, and I, I just, I, I say this a lot in, in leadership lessons, but these volunteers are not pawns. They're people. We, you know, as much as we can, especially the, the people that we are, that are directly, um, serving under us, that we're their direct report, um, we need to know about their lives. I want to walk by people and know if, you know if their mom has been in the hospital, what's going on with their newborn baby. I don't want to walk by someone that I'm responsible for and not know some of the critical things going on in their lives. I want to be able to walk by 
and say, hey, how's, how's your mom doing? And then be surprised and go, whoa, how, how did you know that? And I want them to know that I care. And, um, and it's just the, the productivity. And again, it's not for this. And it's not manipulation in any way, shape, or form. But when people know that you care, genuinely care about them, they will work for you and the vision and for the church like you can never believe. Because at the, the bottom line is they just want to know, do you care? Well, it's that's so beautiful, but it's it's so countercultural to what we know, especially in America today, because leadership has yeah. been viewed as I'm the leader, get behind me. But really, I mean, right. Jesus said it beautifully: you gain those you serve, and caring exactly. is a big part of that. Just care for people. Oh, <laughs> it's such a big deal. I've, I've just been I've been in so many church settings where. You can, like when I you use that terminology, pawn versus person, mm. it sounds so simple. But there's so many ch- like church settings that I've been to where the, these people, it, you just look at them and go, you look at the pastor and go, do you really view? I mean, do you realize that these are human beings? They're not pawns that just exist to carry everything around for you all the time and to bow down and you know. And, and again, I know that there's servanthood, and I know that there. I'm not trying to mock that at all, but. It's it's all about the heart of, of the leader, and it's so apparent from the outside whether or not a leader genuinely cares about the people um, that he or she is leading. And it's um, I, I just wish that that more people understood that um, that principle. I think it's awesome that you guys have have a good hold on this. I I always liken it back to Craig Rochelle talked about this on his podcast of. Um, how Southwest Airlines, uh, they're, they don't believe in customer satisfaction. They believe in employee satisfaction and they invest heavily. If you do any research on Southwest Airlines, in fact, go get the book that Herb Kelleher wrote called, uh, nuts. And it's all about Southwest Airlines and crazy things that they do. But Southwest Airlines is amazing because they invest so heavily into their employees who in turn then invest into their customers and keep customers coming back. I I would rather fly Southwest Airlines than anywhere else. And it's because their people care. Me too. And, and and I know, me too. I feel the exact same way. And it's be, and it clearly shows that from the top those people care. And so I mm-hmm. man, I am I you are you are preaching today and this is man, we could go on all day about this. In fact, I want to jump in on something you said there. You guys said you make a big deal out of volunteers. I'd love for you to share uh, just some real practical ways that you guys go about that. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have every, for instance, for our weekend, for example, um, we have, um, a, a big, I mean, I know that a lot of churches probably have this, but we have a big volunteer lounge and it is not a big, big budget. It's not something that you have to have a whole lot of money. So if you're listening, go, well, we don't, we don't have the money for a volunteer lounge. I mean, we, when I say lounge, that that's a very uh, prestigious word for what <laughs> we have, but there's a, there's, there's an area, we'll call it an area. Um, we just call it a lounge to make it sound more official. There's an area where volunteers go. I mean, and we, we meet there, you know, an hour before the first service on Sunday and a, a different one of our pastors will go up and we're just, I mean, doing a five to seven minute pep talk, reminding them of how much they are valued, what they're doing matters. We'll share um, testimonies of life change. We'll, pimp, we'll point somebody out of the crowd and they don't even know this is happening. All these volunteers, these, you know, a couple hundred volunteers on, on this Sunday morning, we'll pull, you know, two or three out of the crowd and tell a quick story about them from the week before. You know, we'll look at this guy and say, hey, I don't know if you know about um, Dean, for example, this guy Dean, um, you know, but 
there was, he helped, you know, uh, two single moms carry all this stuff in from the car. And one of them got saved this last weekend. And, you know, and one of them remembered that he remembered their name and blah. So we just make a big deal. And, you know, they're like kind of blushing and everybody's cheering. And, um, you know, on top of that, we'll do volunteer banquets. Each sub ministry, uh, does their own volunteer, uh, appreciation things as well. And, um, I mean, every single week before our student ministry, we have, we do a volunteer of, of, of the week, a leader of the week, and we'll have somebody stand in our, in our pre-service pep talk and they'll stand up and we'll just say, Hey, they're the volunteer of the week. And we want to tell you why. And there's always a specific story attached to it. And again, it's showing them honor, but it's also showing people the standard. You know, this is, you know, on on leadership, on the practical side of leadership, it's, Oh, that's the standard. Okay. Now I need to, now I know what I need to do. But on the flip side, this person is genuinely being honored. Um, and we also, um, this isn't so much volunteers, but our entire staff, um, everyone is required. If you're on the stage at all, or even staff, whatever, we're all required to go out to our lobby after every service. We are shaking hands, talking. No one's too big. No one's too good for people. Uh, um, and again, I know a lot of churches have so many services. Pastors can't go out every week, so I'm not condemning that at all. But in our culture here for right now, um, we are out there with the people every single service, uh, with the volunteers, and um, we don't watch people set up tables. We set them up with them, and, you know, that kind of a mentality. So I don't know. Those are a couple practical things we do, but we're, we're really big on it. I love that last one, man. Just the, the even when you're on stage, you're out in the lobby, you're greeting the people. It's not just hit the stage, hit the green room, and that's it. That's uh, a big okay. deal. That's a really, really. If you big walk deal. in our green room between services on the weekend, our green room is empty. There's no one in there, um, and it's because everybody knows if you're on stage, a new person doesn't know the difference between somebody on the, uh, somebody's first time being on the worship team versus, you know, our youth pastor. So they could see somebody leading a song and think that they're one of the main leaders in the church and walk up to them in the in the foyer. And so we just say, hey, there's a level of responsibility that comes with that specific platform, and you've got to be, you know, pastoral. Let's go out to the foyer and let's let's shake hands. Man, that's that's incredible. Uh, kind of in that same vein, I, this one might be putting you on the spot just a little bit, but as far as leveraging your volunteers, with volunteers being such a big deal at Copper Point. Um, how do you leverage them to create, uh, maintain, uh, even advance the culture that you're trying to create? Um, may, uh, let's see. No, that, that's a really good question. I, I actually, um, I actually, I have a, a, a leadership lesson called "Sincerely Your Volunteers," and I'm, I'm just I'm remembering this. And we um, a couple years ago. Um, I was sitting in our, when I was right at the end of me being a youth pastor, I was sitting in our, our youth uh, staff, you know, I, I'm doing like quote unquote staff meeting because they, they were all volunteers. Um, but I, I was sitting in this room and the average amount of time that people had been on that youth staff, youth and young adult staff was six years. Um, and and th- these people, we all started when we were 22 and we all stayed together. And I asked them, I said, I want to write a leadership lesson on volunteers and, and why you guys are committed to this vision why you guys stuck this out? Why are you still here? And they started talking to me. I said, so, you know, why, why, what is it? What makes you work so hard? What makes you live out this vision? And they started answering questions. And, um, you know, it, it all came down to just these simple things that you hear all the time. And one of the things is we, what we just talked about caring for them, Mm. but it all comes down to simple things, you know, is 
you know, are you, are you repeatedly casting and living the vision? You know, a lot of people are great at casting vision, but they don't live it. Um, you know, are you open to their ideas? A huge part of people being committed that hopefully I'm answering this question, right? Being committed to the vision is we have on every layer of, of, you know, down the org chart, there is always opportunity for feedback and there's always opportunity, um, you know, for people to say, Hey, um, you know, here's what I think, you know, we never, we don't walk into meetings and dictate things. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's obviously the buck stops with the leader, but there, the more input they can give, um, in, in, in a situation, the more output they'll give in energy with the organization. And so, um, I mean, hopefully that kind of answers your question, but in in every department, we just really value uh, people's opinions, their ideas. Um, We want, we want to make sure that they know that they're not robots showing up to just do a job. And, you know, and I, and I know that that that's real, you know, people have probably heard this before, but, you know, recruiting people to the vision and not just a task, you know, a lot of ministries, you know, that I go to, and we've definitely had our seasons of this. People are, you know, are a part of something because it's a task and that has an expiration date. But if they're a part of something because they truly believe in the vision, they have ownership of it, they have buy-in, they've they've been able to have input, then it's not just something for a season. It's it's something for a lifetime that they want to be involved in. Man, that's really good. Uh, if you have a link to that talk, uh, we would love to put that in the show notes, and we can talk about that more later. Okay. Um, but would love to share that if that is something that we could share. Uh, but kind of jump it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, jumping on here. Uh, to, to kind of the next point, I think this is, a this is something that we know in our minds is true, but can be really tough to walk out. Uh, but I love what you said about, uh, it's in leadership. It's not about what you achieve, but it's more about what you set in motion. And this, this for me anyways, I, I know personally, this can be really, really tough because you think in leadership, man, I've got to have my hand in everything. I've got to be the one setting the tone for everything. And there, there is some truth to that. Uh, but true leadership, I mean, uh, pastor Greg Scott was on the show and, and one of the things he talked about, and this is from scripture is that Jesus came, was here for three, 33 years, but his ministry started, did his ministry for three years and is now doing his greatest work from a seated position. The things that he set in motion, I just thought was just such a phenomenal observation, but uh, f- for you, why is this such a big deal that it's not necessarily just about what, what we achieve and what our Instagram feed may look like, but more so of what we set in motion? For me, I can, I will answer this for me specifically and why I put that in that leadership lesson. Um, you know, I was, it, it was based off of my experience, but for me, it was, that mentality was, um, was what made it easy for me to have peace in my life. Um, humility and confidence and to just be steady. When it was about what I was achieving, I never had peace. Um, I I never, uh, I lived from anxious situation to anxious situation. I felt like opportunities were going to, you know, slip by. And if somebody didn't notice me, I don't know, again, that's, that's being really open. And, but that's, those were the, the real thoughts that I was having. When I understood, like, for instance, my brother, uh, took the young adult ministry, um, three and a half years ago and has um, tripled or quadrupled the, the attendance at it. And even the, what we've been able to accomplish in young adults uh, since I had it. And for me, the, the realization that I am 
I am just a runner in a relay race, and this is my leg with the baton. I took the baton from someone else, and so an element of what I have is because of the work of someone else, but my role is just to run as fast as I can to hand it to somebody else one day. It takes the pressure off of me to perform, and it places me into the role I'm playing and and not thinking that all of this is about me. Does that make sense? And so for me specifically, I'm so goal oriented and I want to achieve and achieve and achieve. I had to put the brakes on that. And again, it's not that I don't want to achieve anymore, but what I want to achieve is what God wants me to achieve in this leg of the race, not necessarily somebody else's leg. And it just allowed me to breathe, take a chill pill and to know that one day this is going to come to an end. And if my claws are dug deep into what I'm achieving, then it won't be about what I've set into motion to release to someone else one day. And um, so it was just big for me, that mentality. You know, I, I appreciate I appreciate the way you put that. And one of the things I love uh, and would love to ask you here, and you've been pretty transparent with everything so far, but I, <laughs> I, I know for me, I'm the youngest of five kids, and I come from a very competitive family. And, uh, I have two, two older brothers, two older sisters. And with that, I I know with family in particular, it can create another dynamic of competition. Uh, but any leader, especially handing something off. And like you said, your brother took it and tripled, quadrupled it since, since you've taken your hands out of it, essentially, uh, did, was, did that allow for, for insecurity to try to creep in on you? 100%. Oh Yeah. Absolutely, it did because there's always that thought of man, why couldn't that have been me? You know, I, you know, it, it, everybody's going to think that. You know, I why couldn't it? Why couldn't I have been the one to see that come to pass? And it again, you know, to go to scripture, God promised Abraham so many things that he never saw, but the promise was to Abraham. Uh, but through Abraham's faithfulness, those things all came to pass, but they just weren't during his lifetime. And um, again, that's something I've learned from my dad and something I've really tried to adapt is the, even the visions and dreams that God has placed in my mind, what I'm trying to decipher right now, in my mind, the things that God has placed inside of me, is that for me to achieve in my lifetime? Or are some of these meant for me to start and to pass on to my son or spiritual son or daughter one day? And again, for me, it just brings peace. But with my brother, yeah, absolutely. Luckily, I'm the oldest and he's the youngest. <laughs> and uh, there was there's seven years difference. And um, he is just an incredible person to lead. He's a very easy person to lead. Um, we're very different in our leadership styles, and there really hasn't been a lot of um, of angst at all, you know, between us or competition. But absolutely, I've had those those moments of of like, man, I wanted to be the one to do that. Um, but I have to also understand that God wanted him to. And, uh, but yeah, I've definitely had real moments that I've had to work through for sure. Which I think just kind of sends us straight into our next point here that I love this, that you said, everybody fears being insignificant. It's when you allow those feelings to dominate you is when your leadership becomes toxic. Mm -hmm. Expound on that just a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I just, I really do believe that, um, it, it's normal. It's normal to feel insignificant. It's, you know, obviously, I mean, we, we all have that, um, moment where it's like, uh, I'm not, you know, my window has passed and this and my age and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I just had a conversation with my dad a couple weeks ago and, and I, I was just really real with him. And I said, dad, I, 
you know, because we're, you know, my, my dad and I are in the middle of talking about, you know, details of what my future looks like and what his future looks like and, and all of those things with this church. And I, and I just said, you know, I'm turning 33. That's young, you know, and I'm, I'm having to battle this, this, you know, watching every, it seems like everyone and their mom is planting a church and senior pastors are getting younger and younger. And, and I told him, I was very open. I just said, I can logically know that these feelings are stupid, but they're, the feelings are there that I'm getting older. And am I going to miss some, you know, what people would call their prime, or am I going to miss this window? Am I going to, you know, miss that significant moment? Um, again, so these feelings are normal. But you also, alongside those feelings, have to have the logic to be able to look at them and go, that's normal to feel that, but we cannot put any kind of cap or, or God's plan in any kind of box at all. Um, and if we start letting those feelings dominate us, then it turns us into you know, an insecure monster <laughs> to where I mean, everybody's out to get us, and I'm insignificant, and I didn't achieve— um, you know, and, and you, we all know those people that it just feels like they're, they're groping at success that they never felt like they had, that they never felt like they achieved and it, and it'll, and it forced their leadership to become toxic. Um, and hopefully that kind of makes sense, but it, it's that idea that you look, you're not a freak and you're not disloyal and you're not a horrible person if you have feelings of insignificance and I'm, you know, am I missing, am I missing my opportunity? Is my, does somebody even notice me? All those things are normal. When they dominate you it is, is when that becomes your God, your, your God changes from the God to um, the God of achievement, the God of um, ambition. And it, when that starts dominating you, it just starts deteriorating your, your spirit and in your closeness with God. Man, that's a that's an incredible answer, and I think you even kind of tackled in there uh, that comparison plays a plays a pretty big role in this, especially through social media. Getting to see, like you said, pastors are getting younger and younger, and everybody it's the sexy thing to do to go plant a church right now if you work in the church world. Right. Um, and right. I, I even caught myself yesterday. We were we were watching a Steph Curry highlight reel, and the guy is just a freak. Uh, but mm-hmm. look at up. He's 28 years old. He is 28 years old and MVP know, of the NBA last year, 73 and nine season this year. Chances are they're going to win the title again. Um, at the, when this, re- when this, this, uh, podcast releases, we'll know. And, um, and, and it were like Mark Zuckerberg at the, when Facebook was exploding on the scene, he was 26 years right. old. And I mean, Zuckerberg right. is our age. Steph Curry is younger than we are. And it's just like, man, you can begin to look at these guys and just think, what am I doing with my life? Uh, I, I, man, I, I just so appreciate Dustin, how, how transparent you're, you're willing to be and how vulnerable you're being. Cause you're, you're, you're vocalizing things that we all think and that maybe just don't have, have the, the, I don't know, the whereabouts to actually say it, but I, I think there's actually something to saying it out loud. It, it, it brings it into the light and you're able to minimize it. I feel like. Absolutely. You are absolutely. So, uh, man, we, we've got maybe time for a couple more questions here. Uh, let's jump in on this point. One of the things you tackled, like I said, we're going to link to this talk in the show notes. If anybody wants to dig in any further on this over at creativesheep.org, just click the podcast tab and the notes will be there. Um, one of the things you said, and this is another one of those, it's just like, man, we all know this. But especially when you're young, um, 
and, and like you said, when you're 26, 27, you think you know everything. And I don't know if that really ever goes away for any leader, but uh, yeah. you always think you know everything. But you, you said that leadership happens over time, not overnight. And I just thought that was right. so such a great reminder for any, really any leader out there listening, but especially the young leaders listening. Absolutely. You know, what's, what's so, and I heard somebody say one time that the, you know, the new Testament is, is agricultural and not technological. And when I, I it, it sparked something in me that I just started diving into for months. And it's fascinating that we live in a, obviously a technological society where everything's so fast, but you look at the new Testament and the amount of images and metaphors and symbols of agriculture in the New Testament is astounding. That has to do with leadership growth, um, you know, growth in your walk with God, growth in church, um, I mean, growth in the Spirit. It's like Jesus and, and the apostles used agriculture for everything, you know, the vine, the, you know, the seed and, and, the, and the soil. And the, I mean, an agriculture that we know always takes time. It has to go through seasons. It has to look, you know, go through seasons where it looks like it's dying. And then all of a sudden spring comes and summer, then fall. And and we look at this and we just have to know that there's a reason in the New Testament that it feels like there is an agricultural theme to everything. And we are in such a hurry, and, and me too, we're in such a hurry to see things happening that we try to make things happen so fast and, you know, like a microwave type of thing instead of an oven type of thing. And, um, and it just, it really just disappoints. Um, I, <laughs> I love, love, love. It's so dumb, but I love cheap pizza rolls. Do you, do you like pizza rolls? I'm a bagel bites kind of guy, but yeah. Bagel bites. Okay. Well, same thing. Okay. The, the cheap stuff. I, there is such a huge difference from when you microwave them and when you oven them. Oh. And it's the same. And to me, it's the same thing. It's the same way with, with ministry. You can have the soggy, you know, not done you know, it's okay kind of ministry, or if you're willing to go through the time, you can have something that is, you you love and enjoy. Um, and that's anything. And so I just, I don't know, I just did this big, big, big study in, in a season of my life with the agricultural stuff in the New Testament. And again, it's one of those things that just allowed me to calm down. The conversation I had with my dad the other day, well, I'm turning 33. And when I'm, I'm like driving away from that conversation going, you're such an idiot. If my dad handed me the church right now, right now, I mean, I at least would have 30 to 35 years of being senior pastor. I don't even want a senior pastor that long. So I'm sitting there like, well, then what am I doing? Just take a chill pill, calm down, and, and let the seed grow. And um, that's what I have to remind myself of every day. Man, you're preaching right now. This is some really good stuff. That's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the things I try to remind myself and remind my team of is, Look, if you want to grow, that's awesome. That's awesome that God's put that inside you, that you want to take new ground. But the best way to do that is just dig your heels in right where you are and make whatever is in front of you the absolute best that it can possibly be. Because God will always find you. He found Gideon behind a wine press. When you look at David, he was out among sheep poop and, and just, just nowhere to be found. His dad didn't even consider him as a king. But but uh, Samuel call, gets him called in, and, and but you look at any of these guys and how long it took for them to rise, even Jesus, 30 years before he started his ministry. And man, I just love, I love your heart, love where you're going with this. And just, I love, go I ahead, love go what ahead. you said about how God will, God will find you. You know, I had, I had a conversation with a guy, I know we're running out of time, but I had a conversation with a guy um, 
a few months ago and um great guy i mean a guy that i've mentored for a while but um things have been crazy in both of our lives and we haven't been as close lately and his, i guess his interpretation is that his opportunity he's younger his opportunities at the church aren't what they used to be and he you know and he he had reached a level that's honestly to almost a level of paranoia about you know, God not, you know, overlooking him and me overlooking him and what's happening. And, and so I, we just had this meeting and, and I just, I just looked, I looked at him at the very beginning of the meeting after he expressed all of this. And he said, I know I sound crazy, but this is just what I'm feeling. And I looked at him and said, do you honestly believe, do you honestly believe that I, in my hands, I held up my hands, that I, in my hands, am holding your future? Do you honestly believe that your future is dictated by mm. me? overlooking you. I said, if that's how this works, then we are all just screwed up and we are all messed up because if my future is in my leader's hands solely, then none of us go anywhere. And that, I love what you said, how God will find you. If you, if you're faithful where you are, we have to understand, yes, God uses our leaders to develop us, to grow us, to place us, but our future is not in a human being's hands, our leader's hands. It is always in God's hands. And we know that, but we really need to remind ourselves of that way more often. I love that. I love that. Uh, Just kind of some closing thoughts. What would you say to someone out there listening that's maybe trying to figure out, do I stay where I'm at? Should I leave? Um, I'm frustrated where I'm at, but man, I'm just kind of torn on what to do right now. What would you say to encourage them? Um. It is, this is the mo- one of the most tricky um, topics to me uh, in the church world. You know, when when someone has the idea or something hits in their mind, should I stay? Should I go? Um, you know, I I heard someone say the other day, and you know, I think I've heard it a few times in my life, and hopefully I can word this right or at least explain it right. Um, it's it's never about leaving somewhere. It's always about arriving somewhere. And so if, if we feel the need to leave because we need to leave a ministry, um, God doesn't necessarily lead us to nothing. I mean, yeah, we go through seasons of obscurity, but, um, you know, we, we had a, we had a staff member in a conversation not too long ago that said, um, my wife and I really feel called to go here. And this is why this is our heart behind this. And, and it was, you could feel that it was a God thing. And we walked through that process and you were like, okay, that makes sense because God called you to somewhere. I think a lot of times people just get antsy um, and, and they have this thought of go, go, go. And so go means leave. But I, I, just, I remind people a lot. Go doesn't mean leave. Go means move, do something. Go means stay. Go means start doing something. You know, a lot of times people pull away from ministry and they're like, well, I guess, you know, God's really called me to go. I'm like, go where? You know, it's been a long time since you've done something here, you know, go doesn't always mean leave. Um, and, and so another thing that we say a lot, and I've said a lot to younger leaders is, um, when you don't know specifically what God is telling you to do, when you don't know is why we tell them when you don't know, don't go. When there's not something specific that God is calling you to don't go anywhere, stay, stay, stay rooted. Um, you know, no harm will come to you from staying rooted in the house of God. God has this under control. Yes, obviously God calls people to move and do different things, but it, it's not guesswork at that point. When it's the time for God to move you somewhere else, you'll know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt. And there's not, it's never going to be birthed out of bitterness. It's never going to be birthed out of anger, never going to be birthed out of disloyalty. It, it needs to be birthed out of an attitude of being sent uh, and not leaving, in my opinion, at least. Man, I love that. Dustin, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Uh, if anybody out I'd there, love- if anybody out there listening wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about that? You know, honestly, I, I, I thought about that earlier today. Um, I, I have, I really don't have a problem. Um, I, I have, a f- I have a few emails and there, there is an email that I have, uh, set up where, uh, me and a group of people, um, on our team, uh, respond and, and genuinely just help people. And it may take a little bit, uh, uh, for that to actually happen. But once we get an email, we will respond and we'll set something up. I love talking to leaders on the phone. One of some of our team members, uh, might get, will will respond and get a hold of you. But if that's okay, I I would love, I thought about it today and really decided I would love to give out, um, this specific email that, you know, again, it may take a little while, but our team would love to be able to help as many people as possible. Is that okay? Please do. All right. The, the email is D Woodward at cpcabq.com. So it's dwoodward at cpcabq.com. ABQ is in Albuquerque, right? Church. Yeah. Yeah. CPC is for Copper Point Church and ABQ is for Albuquerque. And um, we, uh, again, we'll we'll respond as, as fast as we can and, and help with whatever, but that's just such a huge passion of mine to be able to help people that want help. Absolutely. Well, man, we will definitely link to that in the show notes. So folks, if you didn't catch that, hop over to creativesheep.org, click on the podcast tab, and you can jump into the show notes there with Dustin Woodward. Dustin, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time to share. Loved it. Thank you so much. It was great being here. Folks, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Again, this was episode 37. Feel free to subscribe, like, uh, and review. Uh, Like it. I guess that's only if it's on Facebook. Yeah, like it. You can just like it with your mind or heart. That's true. You don't have to like it on Facebook. That's true. That's very valid. But you could. But you could. So if you don't mind, give it a share, leave a review, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Um, And folks, uh, come back next week. We've got some amazing interviews coming up for you uh, in the near future. We've got uh, Jordan Wiseman is coming on the show. He uh, sounds like a wise man. He is a wise man. He actually just got married uh, this past weekend, actually. That's wonderful. And uh, he is highly involved at Life Church. And one of the things he helps with is Craig Rochelle's social media account. Oh, um, man, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, he's kind of a big deal. That guy's got a thing or two going on. He's got a thing or two going on. Apparently, has a very popular blog, which I'm excited to dive into. Uh, so Jordan Wiseman's coming on the show. Kevin Moore is coming on the show. Oh, Been a big name yes. in youth ministry for years. Has since planted a church in uh, in California. Uh, he'll be on the show. Paul Darty's coming on the show. Uh, folks, we've just got a stellar lineup for you coming up here in the very, very near future. So uh, stay tuned right here to the Creative Sheep Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace out. Peace out.